are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point number nine, a tennis bets podcast. I am your host, David EJ Berger, one of three hosts, actually. Uh, you can find our show handle at MP9 Tennis on Twitter. If this is your first time listening, chances are that's how you found us. Welcome, hello. And if you're a returning listener, a returning champion, thank you. Thank you for coming back. With me, as always, is uh, my number one tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. What's up? I'm the tennis talking bro. Also one of three hosts. Um, I had the joy of watching tennis again this week. That was a thrill. So let's talk about it, man. Absolutely. And with us once again, the one, the only Mr. John Reed. You can find his own brand uh, at Tidbits Tennis. You can find uh, his personal account at JR Tweets Tennis. Uh, he writes for Action Network, betting expert, Hammer HQ. If you bet tennis and you use Twitter to do so, you know this guy. John, thank you for joining us once again. Glad to be here. We're back into the uh, normal grind. The offseason doesn't really exist anymore. There's a few women's tournaments here and there. But we haven't had like a true four or five tournament week uh, in a while. And then we got challengers too. So back to the uh, back to the normal grind for the next 11 months, eh? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a little bit different. Uh, normally, we like to uh, kind of we have more information in front of us to, to go over more matches uh, that might happen, you know, days after this comes out. But what we're going to do here, we're going to go after we're going to go over the matches that are happening uh, tonight, uh, the 30th, 31st in the overnight uh, at the United Cup and Adelaide Qualies. Uh going to do a little a little bit less of an edit on this. Uh, it's going to be a warts and all. Uh, edition of this uh podcast so a lot of us sorry about that i cut off the us guys i do it i, I painstakingly do it uh but they're gonna be here this time uh, i think you will still have a spirited fun conversation about the atp tennis tournaments happening anyway and uh we wanted to come back and and with the holidays and everything this it's all just Stuff you really don't care about. So let's get to the tennis. That's what we do care about. All right, guys. Well, we have the United Cup. Tennis is back. Uh, there's these a team tournament. What have we seen uh, so far in Brisbane, Perth, and Sydney? I can kind of go through some bullet points here. Uh, or I could open it up. How would you guys want to do it? Anyone have any quick thoughts after, out the gate? Or you want me to go over some of these bullet points? Uh, yeah, I- you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I think uh, I just want to say too, be careful or watch for for some favorites at this event. Uh, I've noticed on the women's side. I know this is an ATP uh, kind of deal, but I've noticed twice now on the women's side. I generally don't stake as highly early season. There have been a few spots where massive mismatches have only been four, four and a half po- uh, game favorites. That's the equivalent on the ATP of like three and a half when you should be at like four and a half or five. Or they, you know, on the women's side, they should be five and a half or six. You're going to find you don't get it very often where you get top 25, top 30 players playing against, you know, 300 in the world. And I think the markets had a bit of a tough time pricing up some of those matchups, not all, but some of those matchups. Uh, and, and you're going to get that for the next few days as well. So watch out for those kinds of positions that you can kind of uh, get behind. Absolutely. Well, some big headlines here uh, right off the top. Fritz covers as a four and a half uh, game favorite against Yuri Laheshka from the Czech Republic. Uh, and in the other USA check match, uh, Tiafo was down a break in the second, uh, about to not cover against Tomas Macic per chance, uh, but, but pulls it out, uh, with a retirement, uh, uh by Macic. I don't know. Did, did anyone know either of you guys know what happened with, with him in that one? 
Yeah, one he of his legs. Ankle in it. Yeah. Yeah, ankle. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't stand up or put pressure on one of his. Uh, you know, you could tell it was one of the legs. Just wouldn't wouldn't kind of sustain any pressure. Matic had a good little run in Australia at the top of uh, last year, so definitely a name to to keep out or keep an eye out on as we uh, progress here into January. Nori cashed as a dog against ADM. I did not know why Demon or other than being from Australia was a minus one fifty favorite against Cam Nori in that matchup. Uh, I guess the, the court speed maybe too, but uh, I don't know. It just seemed like wrong guy favored uh, in that one. I, I don't, I didn't get, I thought that, you know, again, quick courts maybe helped demon hour, but he was priced. What what got me was he was priced more expensively, I, AKA a bigger favor than Kyrgios. Where? Right. Kyrgios was in that dollar 65, which I think is minus minus one fifty five ish range. And then you get, Minus 170 on Demon Hour. It's like I like maybe the market knew Kyrgios wasn't fit or or was watching his exhibitions and thinking that would carry over like the the clown tactics or antics. But man, that just seemed weird to see Demon Hour a bigger favorite than Kyrgios on a quick court against Cam Nori. Yeah, I was actually gonna just suggest that maybe just because it was in Australia, but then made after you just brought up that whole Kyrgios comment. I don't know, dude. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Berrettini fended off a couple of set points to close out in straights against Montero. Montero, another guy who tends to play better than usual uh, in Australia. So another guy to kind of keep an eye out on as these weeks roll along here. Uh, Warinka, who we dogged last time out, uh, he gets a win here uh, for Switzerland, beating Bublik. He didn't face a break point. Eh? He did not even face one break point. And I mean, I don't know if that's Bublik being Bublik or if Stanimal is just really serving that well. He did this at the end of last year, too, so maybe something to watch. Yeah, I don't know if Bublik's actually a measuring stick on whether somebody's in form or not. <laughs> he is one day, and then another he's not. It's you yeah. can't like I don't know what day that was. So is he one of the he's one of these <laughs> uh, new father guys, right? Does he just have a kid? Yeah, he's yeah. dad lick now. Dad lick. Oh, I like that. Uh <laughs> um uh, maybe maybe that uh, factors <laughs> in to why he um, just gave one up to Stanimal. I mean, Stan's pretty good. What are you, you going to do? Uh, Kubler. Uh, McCubler, as I like to call him. Dude, um, I was saying that all last night because <laughs> like every time like I see his name, like just your voice just saying McCubler just runs through my head. So I was J- uh, Jason Kubler, who had a, a fantastic 2022, uh, the late stages of his career. I believe he'll turn 30 this year. He cashes as a three-game dog versus Dan Evans. And that was a, a game I kind of eyed. I was like, I thought, you know, based off, I mean, Evans, what? He won Great Road uh, a couple years ago. He doesn't, he doesn't really play well at the AO, I think. He, but uh, he's had success, you know, in, in the the January portion of the calendar before the AO. Uh, so I thought, you know, maybe Kubler a little bit overvalued because he didn't really have the great finish um, to 2022. But. Yeah, he comes out here. He gets the the, the dub for the Australians. Uh, any other thoughts? Those are the, the some notes I jotted down here. Uh, where are we at with I? I kind of I mentioned it, but um, where are we at with Berrettini? How, how are we feeling about Berrettini going into this um, this month? I was I was actually the two things I wanted to to talk about were those exact two matches, the one you finished with and Berrettini. Um, so I'm glad that we kind of did that the way we did. First off, I wrote up the evans Kubler match, and I did write up the fact that it was a lot closer than I think the markets had it. At the time I wrote it, the money line for Kubler was back down to around 
dollar, two dollars fifty-five to two dollars sixty, aka plus one fifty-five, plus one sixty. So I only wrote up the over twenty-two. Thank God, uh, he, you know, Evans didn't blow seven straight games there. He actually got into the tie break because I would have been pretty pissed. Then I added the Kubler money line at plus two twenty-six last night. Again, I would have played both right in the article had it been at that price. It got up to plus three twenty-five. The one thing I, I want to note on that match. Kubler may not have ended last year well, and that's why the market was hammering Evo. But I wrote out, these guys have very similar statistic kind of um, hardcore numbers or data, if you will. They're both workmanlike players. They're both grinders from the baseline. They both possess sneaky good first serves and sneaky good forehands. So there wasn't as much as I think the market made it out to be between those two. And you saw that play out in what was a relatively close match. Um, the one thing is Evans has better net play and, and is obviously higher ranked and plays at a higher level in terms of quality competition. So I got that he was a favorite. I didn't think he should be a huge favorite. Quickly on Berrettini, I'm not sold. That backhand is, it was a liability before he was hurt. But now that, you know, it, was it his elbow or his arm that he that he hurt last year? When he, and he's come back and he hasn't been the same since. If he's if he's just a pure serve guy now, he's in trouble. And I mean, the overs are going to be so nice on these quick courts. And if he plays any European indoors to try and maybe win a title, you know, in like Montpellier or those places, just it's going to be like Stefano Tsitsipas from a few years ago. The backhand isn't great. The quick courts with the huge serve are going to propel him to to close wins. Plus games and overs for the next two months could be a gold mine with Matteo Berrettini. He ended twenty twenty two with a foot injury. So it was so. lower body. Okay, that, that's why the movement, that's why the 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 return game, which was never great to begin with, has kind of looked even worse. <laughs> like he, he struggled against Montero to find those breaks. Montero cruised to his first four holds, kind of pulled the Montero brain that you'd expect in that fifth game that gave Berrettini the break um, in the first. And then there wasn't really a ton of pressure on his serve in the second set, right, right to the tie break. So, I mean, Mateo wasn't a great returner before. His backhand isn't like solid. It's I'd say close reliability and he, and he never moved. Well, you know, now he's moving even worse. I just don't see how he's going to be a force, you know, how you're going to lay three, three and a half, four games on hard courts with him. And you're going to have to, right. Cause the market's still pricing up as that top 10 guy. Like what was he a dollar 20, like minus 500 against uh, Montero. You're going to have to lay those games with the guy who wasn't a great returner to start with has a clear liability from the baseline and now doesn't move that well gonna be a tough month for uh, Mateo. uh he's got a lot of tennis ahead of him as well so uh well, i mean <laughs> uh we'll see how the that body um heals up a- along the way uh derek you said you watched some of the the kubler evans match yeah that was pretty nuts that second set dan evans was up 5-0 and then kubler made this miraculous comeback in front of the australian crowd it was pretty thrilling to watch um that kid's got like a pretty good serve he also has a pretty good cross-court backhand, too. And if you have a good cross-court backhand against Dan Evans, dude, that's a lethal weapon against that dude. So I don't know if you'll catch that guy at plus odds the next time he plays Evans, but if you do, dude, I- I'd-, I'd bet that all day. Yeah, I mean, encouraging for a guy who, you know, was a bet on player all of last year uh, at-, at pretty good prices, so maybe... You know, the books will obviously probably adjust uh, to him, but uh, could catch him in some nice spots uh, and still back him. Um, Overall, I want to say the United Cup seems to be an event that people care about. 
<laughs> we're not getting like dead performances, uh, so we're not baking in this like it's not an XO per se. No, there's but points, I mean... money, and your country. I mean, th- I've seen a, f- a little bit of XO talk on the timeline. It's like there are points. There's a ton of money, and you're playing for your country. Can, like, I just don't. I hate that talking point. It's just not true. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's playing out that way in the least as well. All right, well, let's flip the page over uh, to tonight and get to some of these matches on tap. Uh, I'm going to try to get this out beforehand, uh, but and I don't know that I'll get it before this one serves, but uh, Zverev's coming in as a four-and-a-half game favorite against uh, Laheshka. Laheshka, I thought, looked pretty good against Fritz. Uh, this is the same line as Fritz. Uh, I, As much as I was kind of impressed by Le- Laheshka only had one less ace actually in that match against fritz uh you know he was able to he only had a couple break i think he had three break points so it wasn't exactly like fritz was uh creaming him um even though you know it was a pretty quick hour and a half match uh, uh you know what he went down in straights but i think it was a little closer than the the box score uh says so but uh, that said i feel like zverev is uh the reason I kind of liked Laheshka and I played him plus five was I thought like Fritz would just give him some points, which did play out that way. Um, I don't feel like Zverev will do that. And I think Zverev's gonna crush this guy. Uh, I think that's a pretty unfair line. I think this is a pretty bad matchup, even with Zverev, you know, coming in with limited gameplay off the injury. Yeah, I don't know what to do with Zverev here. I mean, I didn't watch him during the exo season, and just like Bertini, I was like kind of hesitant to. To, to bet on them at this point. But I, I'm interested in watching this match to see how I'm going to bet on him going forward. The other thing, too, that Lahashko, you know, he was very... I thought he would be more a little bit more competitive on the baseline and, and create a little bit more rallies. But, man, this guy was a liability. He was leaving leaving a lot of that court uncovered and, and Fritz was taking advantage. So I can't imagine that uh, Zverev's going to not do the same. Yeah, I think uh, Sasha's. It, it's it's tough for Yuri, right? Because these these two are, are top ten caliber players. Not that Sasha's still there necessarily, but he he is a top ten guy for all intents and purposes. Um, and I just don't think Lehechka's game is there yet. He's got you know the raw talent, the high ceiling, but I mean, it goes to show you how much polish is needed on his game. Last year, far too many early round exits, smaller events, challengers, two fifties. And now you're 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 asking him to come up against these guys and and you know six three six four is a single break each set depending on service order. I mean to ask him to 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 lose these matches by less than a potential single break each set. I think that's a big ask. I, I don't think uh, four four and a half even five games is really enough for me to back him in this spot. Pretty generous over under two at twenty and a half because you can get six four six four and and still get there on the under. So not not a bad. Not a bad look there. All right, well, let's move on. Let's keep it moving here. And this is a match I feel like is right in your wheelhouse, John. We have Victor Derisovich and Philippe uh, MRA. We watched this guy get absolutely... He didn't get smoked. I thought he was going to get smoked, but he actually was pretty competitive against Musetti. I I joked in our chat that this guy looked like he got pulled out of a pub to play this match. (laughs) He really does. Uh, um, But he's got some power. I mean, he's got a pretty good serve, pretty good forehand. Derisovich, uh, extremely liable. He played and was okay in the uh, ATP Cup last year. Um, I think he had one decent match and then didn't cover the rest of the way um 
he's he's a pretty below average player, but still, um, I mean, <laughs> John, what do you think about these guys? <laughs> this is this is United Cup special, boys. This is like the uh, the Isabella Shinakova against Despina Papa McHale match the other night. Wow, no one, no one is going to regret not watching that one. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to see the same thing about this one. Look, I think Durasovic, uh, the serve is there for quicker courts. I mean, if he lands a lot of serves, got a chance. Uh, Melagetti is just like the typical uh, South American with that big forehand, right? Um, that's to say, he's actually got a forehand that can play on hard courts. The issue is he needs to be in control of the point. So he's dictating and he has his timing right because these guys like Fran Serundolo is another great example of this. Um, you see the first serve, you see the forehand, you're like, oh, maybe he could translate some success here. Then you look at the records and you're you're like, ah, why isn't that success happening? The timing is really tough for these guys, especially on return. They're used to clay courts, a higher bounce, more time to, to get their feet set, set up their shot. Now they're being rushed, right? You're constantly under pressure. And it just kind of snowballs on them. And I think that's really the tough part for, for a lot of these South Americans. Uh, like when you play on clay, you still have to be able to hit through it, right? So it's, a lot of these guys have the power. Uh, it's just the timing, the comfort, the bounce height, which is very uh, difficult to get accustomed to. So that's why you see these issues. Obviously, I don't have a side on this match, but if I did, I I I'd probably actually just lay the juice with Malagheni. I would. It's like a whole like plug your nose kind of deal, but <laughs> pretty easy to just pass this one over. Yeah, for sure. I would say that it feels like a match where neither of these guys have the ability to win. So the over is not a, not a bad look. Neither can close out. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, this is a United Cup special. All right, let's keep it moving. Uh, this one's a little bit more, uh, I think, relevant to our listeners and and us, quite frankly. David Goffin taking on Grigor Dimitrov. Dimitrov, a pretty heavy favorite here. Land three and a half games. He's minus 230 on the money line. Totals are pretty neutral, 22. Dimitrov pushed Steph to the limit, but not really. I mean, Steph had, he got broke once. Dimitrov created four break points the rest of the way. He won, he lost a tie break. So, I mean, Steph wasn't exactly like creaming him, but I don't know. I, this Goffin had what, like, a couple splash moments in 2022 and then really provided nothing. Uh, these quick courts, uh, I don't know. I, I think, where did he, he won the title in Marrakesh. Were those quicker courts? No, it was clay. It was clay. So shit. So yeah. So there you go. Um, he's, he's got surface versatility though. I will say that like he's made the fourth round at Wimbledon. Uh, he has surface versatility. He's got a pretty well-rounded game, so I wouldn't be too worried about like court conditions, court speed with him. I think he can adapt. He made a deep run at Wimbledon last year as well. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just think that this is a classic spot where the market is clearly hitting Dimitrov. He opened. Uh, I saw Golfan open in the plus one sixty range at Cool Bet, and then Penny came and opened plus one seventy. Now it's up to plus one ninety five, and. It's just classic Grigor Dimitrov. If you've been around, I would say long enough, but it doesn't even take that long to learn Grigor. Four or five months and you know it. He puts up a great performance against a top name. He is the right-handed Denis Shapovalov. One-handed backhand, no tennis IQ, no ability to carry over the good from one match to the other, and no ability to tweak the negatives from one match to the other. He can hold Novak Djokovic 
accountable and play a really close match and then lose to Felipe Melageni the next match in the first round of his <laughs> next event. That's what these guys do. I I just would not put too much stock in that. I think it's gone too yeah. far. I understand Gofan had a terrible end to the year, but just you cannot trust Dimitrov to replicate a successful match the very next time he goes out. And that's what the market's done here. Like I am really close to pulling the trigger on David Gofan. Yeah, I mean, I say this every single time about Dimitrov. Like, I don't know where to go on this guy. Like, he has the tools to beat GoFan for sure, 100%. Will he utilize those tools? I don't know. Did he utilize those tools against Sitsipas? Then uh, the first set he did, and then the second two sets, he kind of just dropped out. I mean, he played well in the third set and brought that thing to a tie break, but, like, you can just see how he just turns his game off in that second set. Like, it's not like he's not consistent or he's not consistent like match to match, but he's not even consistent set to set in a match. It's, right. it's pretty hard to bet on this. Um, but if you want reference, he did beat him last year at the ATP cup. I don't know if that's on the same court that they're playing on today, but yeah, he did win, um, uh, four, six, six, two, six, two. So they, I was just going to say, there. it seems like a, a prime spot for an over too, because Goffin isn't necessarily like underpowered. I think he's got a sneaky decent serve. He counterpunches well, and Dimitrov has pace. He is a point construction guy, something Dimitrov, I don't think, is an expression he's ever heard in his life. Um, and then he's also a guy who has like that tennis IQ within a match. Something's not going well, he can adjust. I, I honestly think that he's he's got a good chance if he's back like at 100% energy level-wise and health-wise, he clearly fumbled down the stretch. There's no doubt. And that combined with the first match at the this event is why Dimitrov's been taking money. I just, I have no problem with an over and I have no problem with Goffin money line in this spot. Uh, Goff, I mean, uh, Dimitrov has moved way too much for me uh, as the favorite. Uh, I, I'm, I would actually grade Goffin as a play uh, how much it has moved um, right now. I mean... I was looking at the odds portal, like every site he's gone up 25 or cents, 25 cents or more at every site since open. Um, that's enough for me to chase Guffin. He's plus 190 on Bovada. So throw a half unit on and have some fun tonight. All right, let's keep it moving. Uh, Cause we have a big headlining match tonight. At 8.30 Pacific, probably going to get pushed uh, past 9 p.m. here. So that'll be After deep that into over the hits. <laughs> yes, deep into the night uh, on the East Coast uh, in the middle of the day. In the evening, probably in uh, Australia. Uh, that's Rafael Nadal taking on Cam Nori. We mentioned Nori already on this podcast. He picked up a win against ADM. So he has a match under his belt uh, on these courts. The line is three. Nadal is a three game favorite. He's minus two fifteen on the money line. It's a neutral 22 total. How are we feeling about Nadal and his status as a tennis player? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of weird. We're still in 2022. Cause I want to say, I was about to say here in 2023, but we're not quite there yet. Um, Quick side note before we dive into this match. Like the idea that Nadal is going to retire this year is ridiculous. This guy just had a kid. He's playing the freaking United Cup. Like he doesn't need to be here. Like he could be with his kid that he literally is like less, 
less than three months old <laughs> spending some quality time with it instead he's out here like for whatever i mean I don't know, man. This guy's going to play until his legs are literally chopped off. <laughs> this guy's not retiring anytime soon. And I'll tell you what, this guy's going to be undervalued again this year because he's probably going to find a way to get back into the shape through doctors, <laughs> aka, AKA <laughs> drugs, <laughs> uh, to be competitive. That said, um, I was thinking I kind of like Nori in this match, but I really, I mean, I don't think the surface really is, is in the wheelhouse for either of these, either of these players. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to pass on the Dallas first match of the year. Always. That's all I, yeah. I mean, I usually just pass on this first match of every single tournament, but uh, he is four and against this guy. I don't know if that means anything, but yeah, he beat him in 2021 uh, at the AO. Not that this is the same court. And beat him in Acapulco last year, but um, Nori covered just... at Acapulco though. I will oh, say he did. Oh, watch out! <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at what three and a half, two and a half. It's currently three, three. That's yeah. kind of a safe zone. I-, I would stick with that. What about going off? Uh, you know the traditional meat and potatoes here. What about like Nori at plus one forty for the first set? Just. He's already played once on these courts. We don't know what Nadal we're getting. I don't know, oh, man. If there's I, steroids, I, I'm, I'm just play. I'm just. You're I'm doing. so happy to not bet this match. Like I just, it, it's really tough to to get a price on for me anyway. On on Nori, I'm good first win, but he was probably undervalued there. So how much credit do you give it? Different opponent. What's Rafa going to look like? A lot of like different qualitative factors that that kind of make it really tough to. To, to get an idea of what a true price is. And there's just, there's so many other matches to, to evaluate for me personally that I'm like, I'll, I'll enjoy watching that. No, I won't because it'll be 2 AM. I'll be sleeping and <laughs> it's not on any on-demand services here. So I won't enjoy watching it. I'll enjoy not watching it. It's so take it, that. <laughs> it's going to be a, a, <laughs> a tough one to uh, evaluate. All right. You guys want to keep going with United cup here into tomorrow's matches, or do you want to switch over to Adelaide? What do you want to do? I think the last two are pretty plain. Uh, I mean, the favorites have taken so much money in the last two United Cup matches that it's, they're probably unplayable. I think the favorites are both. Were, uh, from when we're recording this on Thursday, uh, Friday, pardon me. I think they were a good bet on Thursday, both Skatov and Chorich. But I got Skatov minus three, minus 105 at Bookmaker. He's now like minus four, minus 110 or something. <laughs> like He has taken a ton of cashola. So I just, I don't know if I could play it there. I mean, it, it might be, it might still be value, but I'm already happy with my position on that one. And George, same thing. He's up to like minus four now, I think. So, um, the well, one thing I want to say about George Serundolo, though, is that might be the biggest lopsided backhand matchup out there. Like backhand rallies, George might need to be careful. The Australian authorities might arrest him for assault uh, after those exchanges. Actually, let's keep it moving because there's a lot of good matches here uh, in the next day that are already up. So let's, let's just keep it moving. Um, Montero coming in as a five-game dog to Casper Rude. That seems like a lot <laughs> to me. Um, obviously Rude could come out and crush this guy, but man, what kind of Rude are we gonna get here on these courts? Uh, and we already have Montero with a game under his legs. 
Anyone like the five with Montero? I think that's a sneaky play right there. Did you see where this opened? No. This opened at minus four, minus 115 at Pinnacle. And Rude got bet so hard, it is now down to minus 225 for minus four. And we're all the way up to the five being even money. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) What? Five opened at plus 206, minus five. (laughs) Like, people have bet Rude from plus 206 to plus 101. That is... How do you still... How do you keep laying five games on a quick court after it's already been bet down by a dollar? Like, holy cow. I'm grading that as a play. I'm going to play Montero plus five. I'm going to let that keep going, too. I mean, yeah, at this point... I'll I'll probably let it keep going. Maybe it sneaks up to five and a half. (laughs) Yeah, you should wait. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy to me. Oh, my God. I I didn't look at the price movement until now. He's minus 950 to win on the money line. Rude. That's crazy. That's nuts. Uh, this one I think is interesting because Oscar Atta versus Tom. Well, is, is Machic going to play? I mean, I, that's I what I was wondering. It. He went off in a wheelchair. I mean, mm, well, you know, that that means it was minus one twenty five most of today. It was minus one twenty five, and I was staring at. It, I was like, "Here's the thing: if it doesn't go, this isn't like." A season-long future where the book's like, sorry, we're keeping your cash until the season wraps up and we decide that market just avoid it. You know what I mean? Like, you're not locking your capital up. Why not just play Ota? It's not playable now at most books, but Pinnacle still has a minus 150. Like, if it gets voided, you get your money back by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't get voided, you're getting a great server on a fast court against a guy that is on one ankle trying to return. <laughs> like, it just feels like Ota shouldn't lose more than 10 points on serve. That's an exaggeration, but... I don't know. I think that's probably worth a play, man. Bet it. All right, guys. Well, are we buying into the Zizou Berg's hype that kind of was it was percolating at the end of 2022? He's a two and a half game favorite against uh, Kuzmanov. Uh, minus 170 on the money line. Uh, Kuzmanov crushed whoever he played last time. I don't. The, it was a perv something. Um, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a doubles player. So he's out there uh, trying to battle <laughs> it alone. Uh, I'm pretty got- sure that I, I move faster and better than him from along the baseline. And like people don't know me, I am solo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I feel like uh, I would chase Briggs here as, as a slight favorite. He seems pretty spry. Um, you're probably more familiar with these guys, though, John. What do you, you have any take on this match? I made the comparison about Zizou Bergs that he reminds me a lot. And, like, for not overall, of Bianca Andreescu. And everyone's like, huh? It's like, just let me, give me a second to explain. It's in a very particular way. Those two are so talented. And I have never seen two players that love playing three setters. Unnecessary three <laughs> setters. More than those two. And then you know what happens when they play all these unnecessary three-setters? Shocker, they always pick up injuries. No kidding. When you make yourself play hour after hour after hour within the same week on back-to-back days, who knew that your body would break down? That's the problem with these guys. Uh, Not guys. She's a a woman and he's a man. But you know what I mean. 
uh, before I get too sidetracked. The collective guys, yes. Uh, <laughs> I just don't know if I um, pardon, pardon me, uh, just threw myself through a loop. I just don't know if I trust Zizu to lay games because he likes to play himself into those prolonged matches, like even two and a half, three games with a dog is worth it. And Kuzminov has improved his serve and his forehand, both speed, like uh, power and the aggression. So like the mindset behind that forehand, not just pushing all the time. He's improved those two plus his first serve a lot. Throw in quicker courts. I don't know if I'm laying games with Zizu Bergs here. I really don't. No, I think, Kuzma- he, I mean, he's more talented for sure. Kuzminov might be, a, he's plus 140 dog. Not, not a bad look. Um, Hubie is laying three and a half against Bublik, who just lost to Warinka. I don't think, you know, you don't want to one for one math this up, <laughs> bring in everything from the last match into this one. Um, but I mean, if Bublik gives the same kind of effort, uh, I don't feel like Hubie's going to have too much of a problem with them. Although these guys could just serve bot it out. The over 22, I mean, these guys could literally play seven to type break sets on these courts. Um, I would take the first set over there just because Bublik has shown in the past if he loses the first set, he's not willing to fight back. The first set over might be a better look if you trust it to to go over 22. Well, no one loves to play first set tie breaks more than Hubie Herkash, so um, I kind of like that a lot, actually. Uh, I, I know we shouldn't draw, like you said, we shouldn't draw direct parallels. But I feel like there's one parallel that's reasonable to draw. If you can't generate a single break point against Stan Varenka, I don't think you're going to be expected to generate more than three or four against Hubie Herkacz, whose serve is even bigger. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like that's one thing that will translate pretty well is that Bublik will not be the most competent returner. Derek, do you have any thoughts on this? Bublik's is going to be Bublik. He, he, he's still not going to return, whether he's good Bublik or not good Bublik. But I mean, is Sturz still going to keep him in that first set? Um, I do like that first set over, though. And then Karina Busta is laying three games against uh, Evo Dan Evans, aka Dirtball Dan, aka Don't call him that when you're behind <laughs> his box. You'll get dirty looks from his girlfriend. <laughs> Personal anecdote. Um, Busta is minus 185. You know, th- that's the thing about all of these matches. Even we're going to move on to uh, Adelaide here is like a lot of these are like weird money line uh, prices. Minus 165, minus 185. You know, when when it when it gets to these like kind of odd numbers, it, my my spidey senses tingle like they, they kind of don't know how to price this <laughs> because it's a like how do they end up this like random random number? Uh, so it makes me a little suspect that Eva might bounce back here in this match. Uh, Busta, obviously, you know, has had success on quicker courts in the past. Uh, it goes pretty deep at the USO, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyone thoughts on the, on this match? I, I this this one's a stay away from me because I don't know how these guys are gonna, what these two are gonna do out there. Yeah, I'll wait for Pinnacle to to see if they give me a. A better price on Evo, but at this point, I would lean Evo. But I mean, I would need, I want like a plus one seventy, plus one eighty, and right now he's plus one fifty five. So it's it's a holding pattern right now. Like we're not close at this at this juncture. But again, Pinnacle hasn't come out yet, and they're basically a market setter. When they release their price, the rest of the market comes to them, not vice versa. So um, if they come out at like a plus one seventy, then I'll be kind of in a a watch and see 
borderline position at this point at the current yeah. numbers with the books that have released, it's a pretty easy pass for me. Yeah. The spread's at three right now. Would you bet it at three and a half? The plus? Yeah. I'm not a huge spread better unless you're, uh, it's very certain situations and it's got to be very serve heavy. And even then they really, I mean, books adjust to that. The market adjusts to the, the, the serve heavy guys three uh-huh. between these two guys. Not really. I'm, I'm not really that tempted even on quicker courts. I just think the breaks are going to be a little too easy to come by in this matchup to only take three games. I'd rather just take the money line or an over. Got it. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm going to save our listeners time and avoid the Goyo uh, Korea match, <laughs> <laughs> which does have odds up. And I am kind of a Goyo guy. I, I do kind of like him. I think he uh, is a guy to back uh, in, in slam qualities. <laughs> that's his like, <laughs> that's his, uh, that's his time to shine. Um, I'm not sure this format is, um, and, and there's some matches. We're running out of time here, and, and there's some pretty hot matches in the Adelaide qualies I want to hop into here. So Adelaide 1 is on the horizon, starts next week, uh, headlined by Novak Djokovic in the main draw. Uh, but in this quality draw, uh, we have a we have a slam winner in here. Dominic team is in the mix, uh, and some fun matches. I'm excited to dig into John, is there any particular one you want to jump into right off the top or should I just start, start plowing through these? Um, I'll just get my thoughts on woo and Umber out of the way right off the bat. Cause it's the first one. And it's the one that'll, you know, the content will die the quickest on. I got woo at plus plus one twenty earlier today. Quick little rundown here. It's now about even they're, they're out to around a pick them. I don't, I still think woo should be a slight favorite. I don't know if there's a huge amount of value left in the number though. Um, look, Two good servers, two guys that like quick courts, two guys whose success has come almost exclusively on quick courts. Wu is more talented. He's a better mover. uh, And he's got what really is the big difference here in a lefty-righty matchup. They're both um, hitting their forehands into the opponent's backhand in cross-court exchanges. Wu has a much more dependable backhand, better down the line, and he redirects pace well. So if Umber is just ripping those flat forehands, Wu is going to be the one who, once he times them up well, is going to be able to find that kind of counterpunch down the line backhand for points. Again, the the prices come down 30 cents. So, you know, all that CLV, I'm going to be crying into into my drink later on tonight watching that go up in smoke. But I do think Wu was the side um, at plus 120. I mean, Wu just seems like the player that's playing better tennis. So that too. Derek, you any thoughts on that one? No, I really don't. I've never even seen Wu play. Like, I'm pretty interested in just watching that. You didn't um, watch him versus Med at uh, the USO? Uh, I've probably it was a no, maybe, maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> Who did he play before that? Uh, Noodle Borges. No, was that Shelton? No, that was Ben Shelton. I don't know. Was it him or? Shelton that played Borges either way, but he he had a couple of good ones there. And of course, I mean, he was been injured for three years, right? So I don't fault anyone who hasn't seen him play. Not your fault. He won the U.S. Open junior title in 2018, was a, probably the number one prospect in the men's game. And then all of a sudden, year after knee injuries, out for full seasons, finally coming back. You can see he's great on quick courts. He's also got more margin for error to his game because Ugo hit such a flat ball. It doesn't really clear the net. If he's off by an inch or two, he's putting those into net more errors. And that's something Wu doesn't do as much as well. So that's another uh, thing to note in that one. Australian Alexei Poprin has to qualify uh, into Adelaide here. He's taking on Zhang. Uh, this is going to be a match with two 
serve guys here. They already have the total up to 24. So there you go. Poprin is a minus 139 money line favorite. Uh, the games are only one, so it's not quite a pick em. Zhang's plus or Zhang's plus 110 as the dog. I mean, I this is a I, both of these sides could fail very easily. Popper has been really stinky for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, tough to trust him as a even a short favorite here. Zhang also not great. Um, I think has maybe shown a little bit more pop uh, over the last uh, six months than Popper. He qualified into the U.S. Open with Wu. Uh, in the he won fall. a match there too, didn't he? No, he blew a two nothing lead, right? Um, hold on. Let me go back and check this. I'm I'm 90 percent sure. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he he was up two nothing in the first round. He was a, a slight favorite, um, against Tim Van Reithoven, who still ha- didn't look right. No pun intended. Uh. uh, coming back from injury after grass season, uh, and then he blew the third set tiebreak and then just was out. TVR gave Rude a, a pretty decent match after that, so I think the right guy ended up probably winning that one. <laughs> um, Not if you bet on Zhang. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I definitely think the uh, the first set over is it not a bad look here, um, unless one of these guys just fails right off the top um, as as they're just getting their legs. But uh, I definitely think uh, a tiebreak or or if there's a tiebreak prop, I think one of these two sets is going to go. If it goes three, even better because it's another shot at a tiebreak. I think a tiebreak. And look at look at where the market thinks the. I mean, they've. It's I, when I was doing this earlier today or researching and doing my uh, previews for my patrons. That was at twenty three and or juiced, and then twenty three and a half. Now it's up to twenty four. I mean, I think they're telling you they don't trust. No one really trusts Papiron on return. You got. Plus 260 for the tiebreak at Unibet. It was as high as plus 270 for 295 at open. That's nuts. I should have been on that. Just on Papirin alone being a poor returner and having a huge serve. And over 10 and a half plus 170. So uh, some intriguing numbers there for sure. Millman is taking on the uh, Canadian, your your home countryman, Pospisil. Pospisil has been kind of a, a nomad, a wanderer out there. I haven't really seen him around too much on the main tour. He's played a little bit. Uh, Millman... He's just a veteran guy. I believe we watched him in San Diego, Derek. Did we not? Uh, Millman? I don't think we watch, so. We watched Duckworth. Yeah, we watched Duckworth. You know, I already like screwed up their names, confused them on the show sheet. I had to switch it. So <laughs> he did it <laughs> Millman again. Millman and Duckworth are the same person to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, this is a pick em. So, I mean, this is a. This might not be the sexiest matchups, but if you like a side here, they're pick them prices, so you can kind of get in um, at, at a decent price. Um, I would go Millman here, the the, the home countryman. Uh, Pospisil, his movement is very questionable. Well, he could buy, you know, maybe hold serve. I just, I think Millman is the better mover, can can make something happen here. John, you might be going in the face of that, but uh, I feel like maybe no, not. no. I think you're bang on. I think there's actually something to add to that is what I was uh, going with there. <laughs> Cause we're, we're seeing each other in the camera and I'm kind of like pointing at the screen. I was, it was in agreement. And I think one thing that you're seeing here is uh, like, it's moved back and forth the line a bit. If you look at odds portal, like by a few cents each way, a little pushback, 
you're going to have the quantitative guys on one side. The data is going to like Pospisil. There's two things here. One, like you said, the movement is a big deal here. And the, the biggest thing that I think data cannot tell you is that Vashik Pospisil hates the heat. It is the Australian summer and it gets hot. He sweats easily. He hates the heat and he, and he fatigues and, and tires out. John Millman could not be affected any less by the heat than he is now. The guy wore down Roger Federer at the U.S. Open in those New York conditions and beat him in five. This is what he lives for. If he can extend the first set long enough, it's going to be real tough for Vashik Pospisil to close it out in the second. And if he wins the first set, I cannot see Pospisil coming back. So I do think that Millman has that to his advantage in a big way. If you, Again, if you want to take this from a quantitative, more data-oriented standpoint, I absolutely think you're going to probably come to the conclusion that Pospisil is the side here. I would just caution against that the kind of conditions playing in and, and maybe check the weather report for, for Adelaide. If it's not that hot, maybe, I guess, Pospisil. But I do think movement, counter-punching, uh, and potential condition uh, favors Millman here for sure. Pospisil also uh, first-team hothead, so... <laughs> yeah. first team hothead i like that <laughs> all right uh this one i think is interesting just from uh i was saying before the weird prices so roman uh Cephalian, he's minus 164 on the money line versus hoffman that is very suspect to me now uh, on pay i know on surface not on paper on surface this would seem to be uh in the russians favor uh hoffman more of a clay guy although i think he can you know i think he's more of a clay guy but he you know can play on on different surfaces a little bit um not a great player obviously not a like top 10 player or anything but uh, i think he has more of ability than i wouldn't say he's a clay grinder i guess where i'm going with that one um so i don't know this one's uh a weird one to me i could wake up tomorrow and the russian won in straights and i could say you know of course, but uh, Humpin here, I don't know. Something about that one minus one sixty four is like just very weird to me. Yeah, I think Safflin had that little run last year, right at the beginning of the year in Australia. Like they were like kind of relating him to Karatsev two years ago. Well, he, he went mm -hmm. uh, pretty deep at Rotterdam, right? And then, um, yep. so and I he don't beat Sitsi Pass in France somewhere, Montpellier. Or Marseille, one of the two. I'm, I'm oh, sure he it? beat Sitsi Pass because I took the over, the plus one and a half sets, and the money line. And I lost the over, of all things, because he won almost too easily against Sitsi Pass. I'm looking at, yeah, he beat him in the quarterfinals, 6-4, six, 6-4. Four, six, four. Um, he won three in a row as a dog there. Papir in first round, Mahach, uh, second round, Sitsi Pass. And then he lost in two tie breaks to Felix. Yeah, and he... and. Uh, he did make the Australian Open as a lucky loser and, and went to a fourth set tiebreak with Molchan. So, yeah. And then after that, a semifinal run at a challenger. So, yeah, he had a good start to the year last year. Maybe lane two is worth it then. And uh, and uh, as for Hoffman, decent surface versatility. Big dude. He's a, uh, I think, USC Trojan. Went to college out uh, around y'all guys way. Yeah, I believe you're right. Uh, and is uh, same brand. What is that? The sporting cock, whatever that brand is, he's <laughs> on that with all like the with like the the check boys and uh, oh, what am I? Why am I Gasquet is another one of those guys? I don't know if you can like 
I think that could be a fun discussion at some point of like guys, um, like who their sponsor is. Like, do they do they typically go after like the same type of player? <laughs> Can you throw them in a, yeah. a bucket based off their their sponsorship? All right. Well, we're we're careening to the end here. We're going to skip over the Tara Daniel match because it's he's minus thirteen hundred. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it moving. Tarot Daniel is minus thirteen. Yes, <laughs> he's playing uh, Edward Winter, who I think my is boy one, Eddie, one half of uh, Bill and Ted. Oh, that's another Winter. That's Alex Winter. <laughs> um, let's move on to uh, arguably the blockbuster uh, match of the night, and that's Mister Ben Shelton, who we're going to talk about uh, an incessant amount of times this year on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, he's making his professional debut on a court outside of America as he posted on his social media that he's leaving the country for the first time uh, to Isn't land adorable? Here. Yeah, in Australia. He's taking on the veteran Duckworth, who I've already confused with Millman once on this show alone. Um, <laughs> he's minus 179. Again, very weird. I can't get up to minus 180. A clean, clean number. Minus 179, minus two. This one, I think, you know, we're eyeing those tie breaks uh, pretty hard in this one, or the over. I, I don't, I, and I almost, I almost, I don't want to fade Shelton, but I think the, the, the pressure is going to be on to, to perform here in his first match. Um, I think this goes three sets. Yeah. I'm on a set over in the first set. Uh, I just, I'm a huge fan of Ben Shelton. Everyone knows this. I bet him in his first match on that challenger swing, you know, did some tape study, huge game. The problem is you win three challengers to end the year. You make deep runs. You win as an underdog. The market catches up, corrects, and then overreacts, right? Really quickly too. And so now I'm at the point where I don't want to fade him. I don't think there's huge value on Duckworth money line, but because he's not the greatest returner and because he's got such long backswings, He's got to get. He's got to get more like a, a more compact nature to his game because now you're at the professional level. These guys can hit the tennis ball. You're not playing at the NCAA anymore. You're not playing the South Carolina Gamecocks. Okay, like you can get away with those long backswings in college and just absolutely rip the ball. He's got to find a way on return to be a little more compact with his backswings uh, to make him more competitive. He's not there yet, and I think the overs um, even more so than fading him. One, I don't like to fade him. Two, I don't see value in it. And so, you know, your overs are kind of the better way to go about it because he is a favorite a little more than he should be. It does give you value in that kind of, it's not directly correlated, but it's often correlated to uh, to the total. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I, I was like, I kind of just blanked on Duckworth's serve. And then I was thinking, I was like, minus two, because uh, I'm more of a spread guy. And then I felt like that was just like a, an easy play right there. And I was like looking at the rest of the slate and I was like, dang, I, I had my eyes focused on Shelton with minus two. And then now I'm thinking about like, yeah, Duckworth might actually just push this thing pretty long and who knows what's going to happen. If this thing goes at three tie breaks, which I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, that's usually unlikely, but right. Uh, yeah. Minus two. I mean, I still think that's a safe play, but I think you're going to have to sweat that out. I, I think ultimately too, it's a surface thing with Duckworth. I don't think he's got the biggest serve, but he does like quicker surfaces. Like his, his main, I guess, notable matches are where I've had success betting him, uh, taking him as a dog is generally on grass, the low bounce, the quicker courts, Australia provides that. 
maybe a little boost from the crowd. How do you quantify that and, and bake it into the price? I don't know. So I don't generally go there, but you know, that could be a factor. Who knows? I I, I think that the, for me, the first set over and the overs in general provide a little more value than directly fading Ben Shelton, which is nice. Cause I don't want to fade the kid. I want to cheer for the kid. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, t- Agreed. Totally. Uh, couldn't agree more. All right, John, I know you are, uh, you're, you are jammed up. You're excited to talk about <laughs> Rinky Hajikata. Uh, I hate this kid because for whatever reason, he felt the need to cover seven against Medvedev and Los Cabos. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's taking on the, the Frenchman, uh, uh, Grigor Barreri. I'm sure I just butchered that name. Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the He's hipster like, tennis this where, headliner. This is where I uh, an edit would help me out, but uh, we're, we're moving on. <laughs> no, you got to leave that in. You got to leave Barreri in there, man. <laughs> how, how do you say it, John? I'm gonna. I'm uh, uh, Okay, there you go. Um, let's give us some rinky thoughts. Yeah. Look, I. I don't understand. I I can understand. But I don't know how to word this. By the way, I without... saw you trashing this kid on the timeline. <laughs> Me? Yes. All of Australian <laughs> tennis players. Did you just get him mixed up with John oh. Millman? I just yeah. I can't stand the fact that Australian tennis players get their ranking points from like the dirtiest late season challenger in ITF fields. But that's for another day. Um, look, he, actually, this kind of, it's kind of fitting with him. He didn't just do it in Australia. Like he did with Playford. He trucked that field. Let's give him credit for that. Like he dominated a field, uh, a weak field. Philip Sekulich, a fellow young Aussie, not very good. Ajit Rai, garbage tennis player. Rio Noguchi, thoroughly overrated tennis player. Um, that was the run of his life, was a challenger final. So like, and then he beat Duckworth after the first set. He, he dusted him and he dusted Purcell. Those are okay wins. Outside of that, it's not great. A Columbus challenger semifinal but american challengers have the same issue there are there are a ton of them and the quality european players don't spend all the money to fly over to north america to play in those events for little points and 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 prize money you beat justin boulet and nathan Ponwith. okay he beat stricker good win i'll give him that but you beat like boulet and Ponwith, and now you want to go up against barrer who's a quick court kind of indoor he like he doesn't do very well outside of france i'll give it that and maybe there is something to it it seems like a little bit of a narrative thing to go by, though. I can understand if you're like, well, Rinky played well at the end of the year at a few events, and you bet him from like $1.56 or minus 180 or 185, and you moved it into like minus 170 or, or minus 170. For Barrera, that is. Sorry, Barrera minus 185 to minus 170. Dude, it's like minus 135 now. Come on. Like, is this not going a little too far unless he's hurt or there's inside information? And, I, and I'm, I'm okay with losing one unit to, like, missing medical information. I try and find it. Tennis isn't the most accessible sport in that sense. But I'm okay with, with a, a minus 135 play here on Barrera, who's just a way better player, uh, far more weapons, and is more established on quicker courts than Rinky. And, again, Rinky hasn't really ever beaten that many players of note in my book. So... Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and lock in Barrer. I was I was seeing it at dollar sixty nine, which is what, minus one forty five ish, and I was staring at it. And right before we recorded, like I'll record, see how I feel after. Now it's minus one thirty five. Like enough is enough. Give me that play. You think Rinky plays tennis as a side hustle? 
<laughs> What's Why? his main hustle? <laughs> I don't know. He, he probably like owns like a like a printing shop or something like that. And then he's <laughs> like, oh, crap, there's a, a challenger event with like a few countries over. I just got to hop on a plane real quick and I'm just going to go play those real quick. And then he goes back to his little printing press shop and then prints posters. And and, and that's what he does. And he just makes a couple extra bucks playing tennis. I, I, I mentioned him at Los Cabos and he played that Mexican high schooler um and the match before the match and it was like kind of competitive for like i mean he ended up dusting the kid but you know they tried it out like you know <laughs> tried it out they tried it out some <laughs> local kid and he was actually like competing for a hot minute um rinky did end up blasting him but <laughs> i was like oh, when are you gonna start blasting him <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, he took a set off nadal at the u.s open that, yeah, did. that was just like, come on. Like, that's where I really honestly started to think, oh boy, Rafa really is done. Like, <laughs> this kid is a pusher. I love the work ethic. You love the hustle, but he's not good enough to be taking sets off Rafael Nadal. I'm just, he's not. I'm sorry. Apparently he is though. Who knows? All right. Well, let's round to the finish with uh, Quan versus team here. Team at that lucrative minus 164 money line play. <laughs> Here for Bovada, they have, they have no idea how to price this match. I feel, and and quite frankly, I don't really have a great read on this match. I mean, if Team is in form, he should beat Quan because Quan's just going to unforce errors way out of this thing. Um, but Team could do the same thing, so he could keep Quan in it. So, um, surface wise, I think this obviously is beneficial for Quan. He plays those quicker courts uh, well, more in his wheelhouse. Um, team though. Even team at this point in his career is just, I think, a better player than Quan overall. So um, that said, if I woke up tomorrow and Quan won, that would not be, I wouldn't be like, oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> How did that happen? Um, so this one's kind of a stay away from me because um, I really, truly don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm putting him in the same bucket as like uh, Berrettini and Zverev. I'm, I'm going to hold out on this guy. I'm probably actually going to hold out on this guy even longer than those guys. Cause I mean, I can, I think that like Zverev and Berrettini are going to be easier to assess a little quicker than team. Um, but who knows? I mean, if I had to play, I would play team, but um, I also don't have to play this. So I'm just not going to play it. And for me, the fun part with this is this is one of those kind of plays where earlier today, again, I can't tell you how much the markets have moved today. I, I recorded in the morning. I had like 7 to 8% of my bankroll, 7 8 units locked up in plays. I was happy. I was able to pass on a lot of stuff. And then all of a sudden, like so many matches have moved by 20, 30, 40 cents. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. I just narrowly passed. And now the side that I wanted to play is 40 cents cheaper on the dollar. <laughs> and so I'm sitting like I went down from 11 tabs down to like one or two of odds portal. Now I'm back up to seven or eight and I'm going to my books now to make sure the prices actually match up. And I'm about to release another four or five plays. And we're going to be back to like mid season form where we've got 15% of the bankroll on the line, 20% of the bankroll on the line in, in one night. This is one of them. I mean, Quan was plus 170 this morning. Ooh. I recorded about 7 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Eastern. I think I recorded plus 170. And I was like, oh, give me 10, 15, 20 more cents. I'll take Quan. And then it moved to plus 150-ish. I'm like, okay, easy pass. Now it's at the point where I'm like, Christ, I like team now. And this is the thing too, is people are going to say, how is that possible? Because I don't, I'm not picking 
a guy to win, I'm looking at my percentages and I'm like, geez, team is starting to look pretty freaking decent at this a dollar 63. Like that's why I think it's not so much Bavada making the line or they don't know how to price it. I think this is like, they're just moving their price because money's clearly flowing in on Quan in this market. And they're like, damn, what do we have to make team for people to stop betting Quan? Cause it's going to create a liability at some point. Right. Okay. If they were both even odds, what would you take? Oh, team in a heartbeat. Okay. Yeah. Even current iteration of team. I take it at, at plus 100. I mean, I'm thinking not, of taking him now. It's not even odds, but minus 164. I mean, you're not like, I mean, you're, you're... no, it's that's what I mean. I'm thinking of taking him now when he was minus 200 earlier this morning. Not a chance. Mm-hmm. Well, minus one, whatever. Yeah, minus 165, I guess. One dollar 63 from a dollar 49 uh, to a dollar 63. Now, again, that's 14 cents the way I evaluate it. If you're using American odds, it looks like 35 cents. Either way, it's a big move, right? Uh, in terms of implied probabilities. And it's it's pushed me towards team side a little bit. If that gets to like a dollar sixty six, dollar sixty eight, which I think is minus one fifty to minus one fifty five, then I'm in for sure. Um, I mean, I, Quan... I think team. I mean, team looked okay. I earlier today I was thinking I was trying to, I was looking at tennis explorer going, oh well, you know, Quan and quicker courts, a little more, little less attackable in terms of his underpowered game. Then I looked at team like he had some decent results at the end of last year, and even his losses recently were like what two tie breaks to Felix at a exhibition, another exhibition that isn't even a, a true like tennis format. I don't know. I think I, I might trust team here. You should have been gassing freaking Quan here to pump up his stock. And then these listeners would go ahead and bump up Quan, And then you'd get your team odds at a little lower price. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, chasing Quan as a trendy dog feels like the opposite of this, of the sharp play. <laughs> Right? Like chasing Quan, exactly. Like, dude, if you didn't take him at plus 170, don't go back and take him at plus 130 to, to like, because you're steam chasing or whatever. Like, don't do that. I mean, he's so easily broken. Like, and and team, you know, obviously he needs to stay pretty clean not to get broke himself because he can give away some free points, but yikes. All right. I'm on team. I'm going to bet team. I like it. Let's go team. Team, team. Team, team. Team, team. All right, guys. Well, uh, we have reached the finish uh, somehow, some way, and we did it before my child woke up, so that's even better. Um, <laughs> uh, we will be back uh, next week, hopefully. I'm going to um, Las Vegas on Wednesday, so it would have to be Monday or Tuesday, so we might be might be the week after. We'll see. I'll touch base with you guys, but uh, we are going to be around uh, this season uh, weekly. We are a weekly podcast. Uh, Breaking Down Plays last year, we recorded on uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays, uh, usually covering the quarterfinals and on of matches. So if this is your first time listening, you made it here, you like what you heard, please give us a like and subscribe. Uh, give us a review even. Uh, we will be around here uh, for your ATP content and gambling needs. Uh, follow John at JR Tweets Tennis at Tidbits Tennis. Derek, what's your handle again? Or versus Nagal. Yeah, there you go. And then... <laughs> Follow us at MP9 Tennis. Uh, Until next time, see you on the court.